right, let's get right into the Word today. Praise God for this beautiful Palm Sunday. I think mean, we've got a few few clouds in the sky, but it's a balmy day, and actually we've been experiencing amazing weather here in the Tampa, Central Florida area, and uh, we're so grateful for that. Somebody said, um, put a post up, something that I read the other day about... Uh, the fact that if you have a roof over your head and food on your table and, uh, you know, you're in relatively good health and that kind of thing, that you should be grateful and thankful. Amen? Because there's a lot of people today that are suffering, a lot of people that are suffering in different ways. And um, so uh, those of us that, you know, the only thing we have to complain about is a little cooped up in the house and, can't go to our favorite restaurant and eat key lime pie or whatever. Uh, well, that's just that's just kind of pathetic that you would ever even complain about something like that. Because we're grateful for God's blessings. And if you're challenged today, you still have God's blessings if you'll acknowledge it and declare it in the name of Jesus. Amen? Thank you, Pastor Scarlett, for the wonderful teaching on giving and and uh, every part of the service is just blessing me today. Amen. And uh, so glad that we decided to meet again. Uh, if you'll look at today is Palm Sunday, uh, an important sun, sun, service on the sort of the liturgical calendar. Uh, but I wanted you to see, to see the whole story. And I won't preach long, but just emphasize what was being said uh, to uh, about Jesus as he entered in his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and uh, the meaning of it. And it's, it's just beautiful. And it really, uh, boy, all this really just comes to life and to light in a time of crisis. Um, so let's, let's begin reading. Uh, it's Matthew 21. Uh, let's begin reading at verse 1. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to uh, Bethpage, unto the Mount of Olives, then sent Jesus two disciples, saying unto them, Go into the village over against you, and straightway you shall find um, lay, uh, an ass tied and a colt with her, Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, you just say, The Lord hath need of these, and straightway he will send them. This was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophecy, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh, Unto thee, um, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them, and brought the ass. I'm going to stop reading there and just remind you of that. It says the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. You know, they never went wrong with that. <laughs> Whatever Jesus commanded them to do always turned out well. 
It's just when they had ideas of their own that it kind of blew up in their face. Um, or if they, if, if people didn't do what the Lord commanded, amen, then they uh, usually paid a price for that. So it's just a little side note that it's good to listen to the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Hallelujah. Um, and brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes and they sat him thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments on the way. Others cut down branches from the trees, uh, and uh, we know they were palms and date palms and those things, and strewed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, cried out loud, shouted, you could say, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. And then they said, Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved. Don't you love that? When Jesus comes, all the city is moved. Let's believe that when Jesus comes through the gospel and through the Holy Spirit, that our nation is moved. There's been several leaders that has prophesied that at the end of this thing, that is going to come out of it something good. One of the good things is another great awakening. And I believe, I'm believing for that. Why not? It's been so prophesied that for years, for decades, for, for, yeah, decades, it's been prophesied that there was coming another move of God and that people were going to become so hungry for the Lord again that the church buildings, no matter how what size, small or large, would not be able to hold the people. Now, Scarlett and I witnessed what that looks like in Brazil. Literally every church that we preached in, and we preached in 20, 20 19 churches, 19 churches of different sizes, and then finally ended up on the beach in uh, Rio with uh, Brother Suarez, for his event, but there was no no place that we preached that wasn't packed to, I mean, people sat like sardines next to each other, and then standing around in the aisles, they're standing, and then up the aisle, they're standing. I mean, our fire marshal would have had a coronary, I think, over... That or either started licking his chops for for uh, fines and writing tickets and shutting down and cease and desist orders because it was so packed. Then the doors, the back doors of the church, uh, were swung open. Well, it would be the front door coming in, the back door leaving, swung open, and people were standing out there un- under the stoop, all the way onto the curb. Um, and then some on the island on the other side of the curb, just stretching their necks and trying to hear the gospel. Is it true? Am I making this up? Am I exaggerating in any way? And, uh, and it was just amazing. And some of the services were at 6 o'clock in the morning. 
and it was packed. Others, uh, you know, later in the night, and it was packed. It doesn't matter. They're just hungry for God. And then we had, what was it, figured 150, 120,000, something like that. I don't know how you count them. Somebody said you count the number of legs and then you divide by two and you get how many there are. But uh, if you see if you see the photo, isn't that ridiculous? If you see if you count five fingers, anyway. Uh, if you uh, if you see the photographs of that, which you can see on on our on our pages. Uh, my goodness, uh, you, you just don't know when to, where to start and stop. And the president is there. And the mayor of Rio de Janeiro is there, which is the size of New York City. Twelve million people there. And in one of the songs that was being sung, we have this on video, the president of the country comes over and grabs the mayor of one of the leading cities and starts dancing in the Holy Ghost to the tune of the song. And I said, something's happening. And how many federal judges were sitting there? Two federal judges. There were some more uh, representatives from the House and the Congresses there. Anyway, when you've got the judges and the president and the the... The mayors and the, you know, Congress people dancing in the Holy Ghost and worshiping God openly. And you've got a hundred thousand people coming to hear the gospel. I think you've got a full-blown move of God. They don't care what name's on the sign. They don't care what denomination you're signed up with or not signed up with. They just want Jesus. And uh, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, this is where I believe that we're heading. Amen? I love that, though, that verse that says that all the city was moved. All the city was moved. Saying, who is this? And the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth. Of Galilee. And uh, he went right into the temple and overthrew the money changers and started a riot. He had a revival and a riot in the same day. We ought to be starting one or the other in the name of Jesus. A revival or a riot. Let's have both if we can. <laughs> A righteous riot, not one where there's looting and pillaging and rape and murder, but where there's where there's victory and cause confusion in the enemy's camp. Well, let's talk about this big deal here. What was the purpose of this? I'll tell you one thing from a grace standpoint, the purpose was... Jesus said that he did not come in Matthew 5. We won't turn there, but just think about it. Jesus said in Matthew 5 that he did not come to destroy the law or the prophets, but to fulfill it. 
which means bring to an appropriate uh, end, and something new is come. That something new, the comparison of that whole thing, is found in Paul's revelation and found in the book of Hebrews. And so you can see that the one had to end for the other one, and had the uh, one not had faults in it and problems, there would be no need for a new one. But because that it had not the power to justify or to bring righteousness, a new one had to be sought. Amen. And then brought to, to the forefront, and that's what God did through Christ. Well, I believe that the triumphant entry had something to do with, with kind of announcing there's a new sheriff in town. Because <laughs> he went right into the temple and took over. Now, he didn't take over for long, but he did take over for that moment. And uh, But at the end of the day, he did take over. Amen. But it was his announcement of that this is over, and uh, you have turned my temple. People say, yes, because they were handling money at the temple. No, that wasn't it. They were gouging the the people that brought their korban, their their holy money that they had sold their animal back at home, brought their sacrifice money to the temple to pay, almost like the temple tax. But um, the the guys handling the transaction were gouging them. And that's why Jesus overturned the money. It wasn't because there was money. Now, we've been to churches before where they didn't want you to have a book table because we don't believe in money changing and... It's just, that's just, it's ignorance is what that is. It wasn't because of exchanging money in the temple. That is so religious and ridiculous that it kind of irritates me. But, um, uh, it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with the fact that these, uh, these money changer guys that were supposed to be accepting the korban and then selling them on an actual animal that would be put in the queue to be sacrificed, they're gouging them. So what the market said was that uh, a turtle, two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree <laughs> were worth, you know, a certain amount back in God-forsaken on the backside of the desert village. So they sold their animal, got the money from the market, Brought the money, it's holy under the Lord. They didn't use it for expenses. They didn't buy souvenirs at Stuckey's. They, you know, understand. They, um, they didn't, they didn't, you know, eat an extra meal at Outback. They actually took the money and brought it to the temple and they're supposed to be able to exchange it for another live animal of the same quality. You understand that? And when they didn't, when they, when they got there, they said, it's going to cost you more. Because here in Jerusalem, the price is higher. And that's what made Jesus mad, that they, that these money people were gouging the people, and they're gouging them on a commandment of the Lord and using guilt and shame and sin to charge them more to get it, to get it covered another year. And that's why Jesus said, you've taken my house, and you've turned it into a den of thieves. It's supposed to be the house of prayer. You've turned it into the den of thieves. 
And that's the reason he did that. So please don't get all like religious and weird about that. Uh, it's, it's not about the money. It's about the gouging and the, uh, the, the problem that was, you know, with the market. Well, praise God. So Jesus came in and basically with this triumphant entry, <laughs> again, there's a new sheriff in town and he's come in and he said, this whole system here needs to end today. This whole sacrifice system. In other words, he was present, really presenting himself there as the, the supreme sacrifice has now appeared. Hallelujah. Isn't that beautiful? Aren't you glad you don't have to get up some animals to bring to church every Sunday and we have to have a slaughter table down here and chop it all up and you gut it and like I said, boy, you'd be able to tell how big of a sinners you had, though, wouldn't you? Because, you know, some little sister that never has even thought of a four-letter word or something, she's got her little bird that she's brought for her sacrifice. But some of us would have to have like a herd of elephants, you know. Uh, my God, brother, what did you do? Well, I got a big sin. I got to have a big sacrifice. <laughs> you know, we'd have all kinds. It looked like Ringling Brothers. Barnum Bailey Circus, you know. There's been Sundays, I don't know if I can find an animal big enough to sacrifice and I felt comfortable with it. Hallelujah. That's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> Hallelujah. Well, you know, after this temple thing, is funny because you think, well, why would this be so... Uh, Upsetting. I want you to look at verse 15. Uh, Jesus, uh, and you know, what, what you don't understand, uh, blind, the blind is said, look at this, is beautiful. The blind and the lame came in to him into the temple and he healed them. Healing, praise God, is a part of this new covenant. And when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying, this is the, this is the affront right here. And I'm going to remind you again of what this means. If you've been in this church very long, you know every year I remind you what this means, but it, it's worth, it's worth, um, um, the reminder. Hosanna to the son of David. They're saying this inside the temple. This is an affront, and I'll tell you why. Hosanna to the son of David. They were sore displeased. Why would that cause them to be sore displeased? Because of what Hosanna means. Hosanna means that the only one that can save us, you're the only one that can save us, save us. Well, can you understand why the temple's upset over this? Because they're thinking, well, who does he think he is to receive this praise and to allow it? He should have said, no, it's Moses and the law and the partridge in a pear tree and two turtle doves and, you know, whatever, right, <laughs> that's going to save us. It's law-keeping and sacrifice that's going to save us. 
and lineage is going to save us. But here, we got these people saying, Jesus, you're the only one that can save us. Save us. What is he saving them from? Sin, yes. You know, the Pentecostals and the, the Shouter, Shouter, Shouter Baptist and some of the other Baptists. They might say, well, he's saving us from sin. Well, that's true. But more importantly, he's saving us from this doomed system that has not the power to save us. Woo! Thank you. I see that hand in the back, right? Um, social distanced saint. Uh, they are sore displeased and said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? See, see, we think, oh, well, they don't like that they're praising Jesus. It's not that they, it's not just, well, they didn't like that. But it was specifically what they were saying on Palm Sunday, as we call it. I don't know if this was actually on a Sunday, probably not. But anyway, it might have been on Saturday, which is worse for, for, for the Jews. He did most of his mischief on Saturdays. He healed the, he loved to heal the sick on Saturday so he could get them into an argument over whether that was a work or not. Is that an essential service being provided? Okay. It said unto him, hearest thou what these say? And Jesus said, yep. And then he's going to defend them. Have you never read out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise? Wow! Now that scripture, all these scriptures get pulled right out of context and used. You know, they'll, they'll, the, some children's church director will try to use this for, you know, the, the, something. He's not talking about literal babies, even though I believe when babies cry out and all that, there's praise in that, beautiful, wonderful, you get a daisy and a lollipop. But what he's saying here is those that are not necessarily already brainwashed and jaded by this defunct, dead, dying, doesn't work system are perfecting praise what was what what would be the difference in praise okay regular everyday praise and perfected praise what would be the difference see see stop and read the word don't just go oh i just love this verse it's just so meaningful well explain how it's meaningful to you it's just i just heard this when i was in children's church and it's just beautiful well good but i want to know what if you understand what it means? Amen. I grew up in the South where everybody explained things in those tones. <laughs> like there would be some horrible song that we'd, we'd have to pull out that not sing anymore. And somebody said, that's my favorite song. It makes me cry every time. And it's like, well, it makes you cry because it's depressing. You know. Well, it can make you cry in a good way, right? Because you can touch your heart and your emotions. That's fine. But if it's unscriptural, you don't need to be singing it. I don't care if it does make you cry. 
That's where Brother Hagin blew up our church in Augusta. Blew it up, like, blew it up. He got the songbook out and read the words and said, whoever wrote this is ignorant of the Bible. Well, as a matter of fact, the guy that wrote it was our song leader's nephew. (laughs) Now, if anybody knows anything about the way church works, you know that ain't going to work. You're going to get the offended club, starts having regular meetings over at Myrtle's house. Somebody's going to bring the donuts and discuss how offended they are and what can we do to get rid of this pastor as soon as possible. Which is exactly what happened. <laughs> I thought, to my, while I was looking at my mother, I'm thinking, we're going to get boxes, aren't we? Because we're out of here for our guest speaker mocking the song. Well, that's just so meaningful to me. Well, okay, let's, uh, let's de, what's, what's the, what's the new catch phrase that I just gets on my nerves after a while? Unpack that. They used to say, uh, unpack. We, let's unpack that. Who said it got packed to start with? Uh, huh. Phraseology. If you're a word, like a wordsmith type person, these, these, Things that can just drive you up the wall. So, uh, what does that mean? Let's, let's look at it. Perfected prey. Out of the mouth of these, in other words, these shouters that are saying, these are, I don't think these are like temple insiders here. These are temple outsiders. And that's why he's calling them babes, because in other words, they're innocent. They don't know any, they don't know anything else, and they have perfected praise with this one word, Hosanna, which means the only one that can save us is here, save us. How many can see why that upset the temple people? Because they're going, well, what do you need us for? Oh, glad you asked. Yeah, it's the tax is what it's about. Temple tax, temple police. They, the, you know, the people that, that came to arrest Jesus, you know, they were like part of the temple squad. It wasn't just regular police. Officers. These are special folks, you understand. Can you imagine some of the, the denominations and people we know if there was official police with guns and stuff, you know, to, to like arrest the saints, we'd all be in jail, except for the back room people. And they'd be accusing one another. I mean, I'm telling you, it would be bad. Some of the preachers I know, worst thing in the world. I was at a conference one time, and one of the leaders, we'd been in there all day, starving and everything, and how 1,900 speakers and felt like and it's like if they bring up one more greek word i'm going to i'm going to shoot them you know and another hebrew word to explain the greek word and it was like too much and so we're thinking we are starving we're going to pass out from like you know go into some kind of a blood sugar nosedive here and one of the speakers gets up and grabs the microphone and says the Lord has said that we are to fast dinner. And I thought, 
you've got to be kidding me. Well, so my, my wife at that time, Cherie, we got in the car and drove on the freeway and back to our hotel to try to have five minutes, you know, to ourselves before back for more torture. And uh, we get, we, we pass the most beautiful steakhouse you've ever seen. And Cherie looked at it and she says, there's a steakhouse. I said, yeah, I was planning on going there. She said, well, we're not going to obey what was said. No, we're not. We're going to disobey and have a steak. Because the Lord didn't, the Lord didn't do stuff like that to people. God's a good God, not a mean one. But He's got some mean preachers, I'm telling you. So we go to in the steakhouse and we look and uh, the place is packed with preachers from that convention. <laughs> and nobody nobody will look each other in the eye. You know, so when the hostess takes you to your table and you see a preacher, you know you just hi brother. Hi. Nobody will look each other in the eye. It's awesome. We went back and had a great move of God, food and all. Hallelujah. Well, they don't like this, and but obviously praise gets perfect. Oh, I love this right here. Woo! Glad I came to church today. Praise gets perfected when you acknowledge the finished work of Christ. I'm going to say that again. I said praise gets perfected when you acknowledge in the praise the, the finished work of Christ. Folks, it's to, they could have been shouting Hosanna to Telestai, to be honest. Except for Jesus hadn't been to the cross and he hadn't uttered those words. Now, he didn't literally say the syllables to Telestai because that would have been Greek. He would have not spoken Greek on the cross. He would have spoken Aramaic. But the Greek equivalent of what he said in Aramaic is to telestai, which means not only is it finished, but it's as finished as it'll ever be, and it can never be more finished. And it can only be finished by one person. Because Paul said that. Hold your place there in Matthew and look at... Um, Galatians, one of my favorite passages. Um, Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Uh, let's, let's put up Galatians 3.16 in the Amplified. Because this is the same meaning. See, Hosanna can only be said to one person. I said... Hosanna can only be sung to one person, and that is the Hosanna person, (laughs) which is Christ. Because he's the only one that has ever been in the mind or the thought of God that could save the world. From the foundations, from before the foundations of the earth, he was the one. He's the only one worthy of the praise Hosanna. This is pretty good for Palm Sunday, don't you think? Because that's what they were shouting. Now, the promises 
covenants and agreements were decreed and made to Abraham and his seed, his offspring, his heir. All right, so that proves you can't be saved through lineage. And you can't be saved through Abraham, and you can't be saved through Moses. I'm sorry, but you can't. For the Kool-Aid drinkers, you know, that have drank all that recently, I know it's great to take the pressure off of you for an entire group of people to be discounted that they don't need the gospel because we could just check that list off a few million folks. But it doesn't work with the finished work of Christ. Because if you could be saved... Any other way? Jesus asked that in the garden. Is there any other way that folks could get in? And the answer was no. You following me? Without me getting too deep in the weeds over there and getting bit by something. Because there's biters, ankle biters. He does not say, God... You can argue with that if you want, but I'll just stick with God. God does not say, and to seeds, descendants and heirs. Look at that. How can anybody believe that the entire Jewish race is exempt from the gospel? This is rampant. How can they believe that? What do you rip this page out? He does not say to seeds... Descendants and heirs. Is there is there any way this is unclear to anybody? As if referring to many persons, but and to your seed, capital S, which is divine, your descendant, your heir, obviously referring to one individual who is none other than Christ. The Messiah. Could it be any more clear that there's only one name given under heaven whereby you can be saved? And I'm sorry to tell you, it is not Abraham and it is not Moses. It is Jesus Christ. Now, if we all go to jail for preaching that, then so be it. But until God personally rips that page out of the Bible, I think we have to believe it. So do you see how this scripture, did you get anything out of this today? You see how this scripture works with Hosanna? So we could get it in our heart that because Jesus is the Savior, we could get it in our heart that we could sing and say and chant Hosanna uh, to, to the Lord for salvation for healing and prosperity. Because the only one, boy, it is becoming apparent during this pandemic time, isn't it? The only one that can save us is Jesus. The only one that can heal us right now today is Jesus. The only one, in in many cases, the only one that can provide uh, finances and needs is Jesus. Every other system 
is stalling and failing and stalling and failing. And so we say today, and this is our closing, I'm going to pray for you online. We say today, Hosanna. Hosanna, Lord. Hosanna. Jesus, you know, we wouldn't say come and save us because he has come and he has saved us. But we say, Jesus, thank you for your salvation. Thank you for your finished work. Thank you that you brought Abraham's blessing to us in Jesus' name. We give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Hallelujah. Now those that are watching online, those that are watching online, I want you to put your hand wherever you're suffering. If you've got sickness, if you've got a sore throat, if you've got the the coronavirus, you've got the symptoms of that or anything else, uh, I want you to put your hand where you're suffering. And I'm going to pray for you. And uh, God's going to touch you. You know, there's no distance in prayer and faith. And in the name of Jesus, I command sickness and disease to leave these people. In Jesus' name, be healed today. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet. Cursed be any condition in the body that's not of healing and of wholeness and health. Those with weakened immune systems, I thank you that they're strengthened today. Those with other underlying conditions, they call it, pre-existing. I thank you that those are healed too. This can be a great time of a healing revival starting in the land again. And a miracle time. In the name of Jesus. You just speak to that area of your body, of your health that is having a problem. Lord, those that's lost and are losing loved ones during this time, we thank you for the comfort of the Holy Spirit to be with them. And that they will not succumb just to a spirit of grief, but they'll have an understanding, even though it's a sad and a loss, that they'll know uh, a peace that they haven't known. You'll protect their souls, minds, and hearts. Those that are suffering financially and job loss, Lord, I thank you for making a way where there looks like there's not one. I thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your love and mercy in Jesus' name. Amen.